Thank you so much for coming, for coming here on a Sunday, taking time to worship with us as we dig into God's Word. Maybe this is your first time here today where you came at just the right time, because we're going to be talking about sin. Now, don't get up and leave just yet, right? We've seen that in this series what we've been doing is is we've been taking a look at uh, some of these kind of common sins, and and when it comes to this word or this idea of sin, it's kind of a a churchy word that's really blurry when we think about it, right? It's this idea of uh, we can do whatever we want, right? It's our life. It's it's what we want to do with it. As long as we're happy, then everything's okay, and that that even means sometimes that that we can just sin, (laughs) But the truth is that when we look at what the Word of God says, which we believe is our standard of living, we believe that this is where we find out what pleases God and do it, it says very clearly that our sin is a big deal. In fact, the Bible says that our sin, ultimately all sin brings death. And so we need to understand that when it comes to our sin, it's not just you know, this blurry word, it's really something that has to, to do with what our eternity means. And so, you know, the real implications of sin in our life really impact a lot of things, relationships, us individually, it it impacts the world that we live in. And so uh, what we're trying to do is not to say, hey, we're going to talk about these sins and then everyone leaves feeling beat up, because we don't believe that's who God is. In fact, we believe that God takes even our biggest mess and will use that for his good. And so what we've been doing in this series is we've been talking about why these sins are deadly and how, if we just give them over to God, that he can change our lives. And so some of the sins that we've been talking about here, we talked about pride last week. It was a very good message for me. Maybe you're like me, you struggle with pride. And today, uh, we're also going to be now looking at this thing we call greed, the deadly sin of greed. Now, I heard this story where uh, there were a couple of friends, uh, old high school friends that met up, and when they met each other, they, uh, one of the friends saw that the other friend was extremely sad, like visibly sad. He was crying, and, and, and they said, hey, why don't we sit down and get a cup of coffee? I'd love to talk and see what's going on in your life. And, and as they began to talk a little bit, the friend said, you know, what's going on? And he said, well, you know, three weeks ago, I, I lost a cousin and they left me $50,000. And the guy was like, oh, man, I'm so sorry to hear that. You know, it's death. That's not a fun thing. But, hey, if there's ever a silver lining, $50,000 is a lot of money, right? Like, that's probably a good thing. And so trying to be positive, right? And he said, well, that's not it. Two weeks ago, I had a, an uncle die, and I wasn't really close to him, and he only gave me $100,000. He said, well, wait a minute. $150,000, that changed a lot of people's life. Won it? I mean, can I get an amen, right? Like, that's a lot of money. And he says, look, I'm sorry about this death, but again, there's got to be this silver lining, 150000 Well, you know, that's, that's actually not it. Last week, my grandfather passed away, and we weren't close either. I'm not really close to any of my friends or my family. And he left me over a million dollars of an inheritance. And he began to think, well, wait a minute, now you're a millionaire. Like, I know that this is bad. Death is bad in general. You're not very close to him, but let's celebrate, right? He says, well, why are you so sad then? And he said, well, this week I haven't gotten anything. <laughs> Greed. <laughs> Greed. Greed is serious. Greed is so serious that the Apostle Paul, in Romans chapter 1, verse 29, he lumps them in with these sins, and one of those sins is murder. You see, greed is a serious sin, so serious that it's really, really deadly. And you know, when we think of this word greed, or this sin greed, what is the first thing that comes to our mind? 
Many of us would say money, right? Money is a tangible thing and, and kind of the desire for more of it, uh, the wanting and the longing for more of that money. And a lot of definitions, even definitions that we find in dictionaries, also bring money into this idea of greed. Webster says it this way, that, that greed is a selfish and excessive desire for more of something. And we'll see that greed isn't just about money. I believe that you can be greedy in other ways, and we'll talk about that today. But it's the excessive desire for more of something, such as money, then is needed. Isn't it true that we're kind of conditioned at a very young age that, that we should work hard to gain as much as we can, right? We should be successful. We want to make money. We want to have money. We want to, you know, be, have influence, right? We want to buy things. We want to live the finer life. And it's, it's all self-focused, all self-me, me, me based, but did you know that there's something, a void in our heart, that can only be filled by God? I, I think about greed in its, its earliest form when we look at Genesis chapter 3, right? We all know the story when God created heaven and earth, right? We, he created heaven and earth, the sun, the moon, and the stars, the beasts of the field, and the birds of the air. And, and he created everything that we know, this amazing world that we live in, and everything that exists in it. And it says that he saved his most prized possession to create man, and man was created in the image of God. And you see, what we had at the very beginning, or what Adam and Eve had at the very beginning, is they had superiority, they had dominion, the Bible says, over everything in the world. And so not only did they have a relationship with the living God, but they also had dominion and power over all things. But we see early on that there was something that the enemy, Satan, knew he could use. And do you know what that was? Greed, right? Satan, the serpent, comes in and he says to them, surely God didn't say that you, can, uh, you, that you can't eat from all the trees in the garden. Right? We know the story, right? And he used greed and the desire for more. Surely God wants you to be able to know good and evil. Surely God wants you to be able to do that if he's a loving God. And so he used the power of greed to get their attention. The Bible says they sinned. And because of that sin, from that moment on, every single one of us has been longing for more. See, the Bible, there's a, there's a void in our hearts. There's something that we are longing for that we try to fill with money, power, fame, relationships, material possessions. There's this longing that we have to fill this when that void can only be filled by our creator, God. And you see what happens is the more that we focus on self and trying to fill that here, we begin to realize we're moving further and further away from God. And that is exactly what Satan wants. If you're taking notes, we can jump into, well, first of all, I want to start with this, uh, this book that we're reading, Graham Tomlin, uh, Seven Deadly Sins. I encourage you, it's a really, really good book, but we've been kind of taking some truths out of the book in our message, but he says this about greed. It's a really good perspective. Greed tries to satisfy the restless soul, right, that longing, the restless soul with things that were never meant to satisfy it, and to temporarily at least, sin feels good at times, <laughs> temporarily at least silences the desire for God that is the clue, he is the clue and pathway to true happiness. You see, we're all looking for something. And what the enemy does is he uses the things of this world to get our attention off of God. First point today, if you're taking notes, uh, is this, is that greed, just like all the other sins that we're going to talk about, is a false pathway 
to enjoying life. You see, greed, the wanting and the desiring of more, even though it feels good to have stuff, to have more, to have the best things, we, we have this desire that, that, that this, there's something more than the things that we have. And it's built on the lie that this, this life is the only life there is. Do you know why we struggle with greed? I mean, I think that there are many, many different reasons why we struggle with greed. We, uh, we've heard of the term keeping up with the Joneses, right? We know what that is. It's like this idea that, that if we have what someone else has or if we have something better than them, that we look successful, that we look like we've got it all together. And somehow when people perceive us as something that we're not, that we're going to feel value, right? So we, we have this tendency to want to keep up with the Joneses. I think if you're like me, you kind of have a, a, a struggle with Determining the difference between needs and wants, right? We know that we need food, shelter, clothing, things like that in our life, but oftentimes the wants of our lives, the new, the stuff, the car, the whatever, fill in the blank, kind of take precedence. We really need those things. Uh, We live in a a self-gratification instant kind of culture, right, where we work hard for our money and so we can spend it and do whatever we want with it. And so when we see something we want, we don't stop. We're going to do whatever we can to kind of achieve that thing. And we think that the more that we have, the more happy we will be. You know, there was a, a rapper who said this. He said, mo money means mo problems. You know what I'm saying? Can I get an amen? <laughs> right? I didn't think that I would get an amen on Biggie Smalls, but, but I did today. <laughs> more money is more problems, and we know that, right? We, we know that. But you see that we do this, though. We think, man, if I had more, <laughs> if I had more stuff, if I had more this, that I'm going to be better. But we were never meant to be fulfilled that way. You know, Jesus, he teaches uh, about this in Luke chapter 12 of your Bibles. You can open up there. Uh, if maybe, if you don't have your Bibles, um, you can talk about this with a friend or a mentor or in a small group as you kind of discuss the sermon. But he's teaching in Luke chapter 12 these spiritual truths. There's, the Bible says that there's a large group of people that have come around and he's doing some pretty amazing things and people are wanting to hear from him. He's teaching. And what he's teaching them are eternal perspectives, very spiritual things, how to be made right with God, some, some very, very serious things. And then out of nowhere... In verse, uh, verse 13, we hear this guy say something crazy. He says this in, in verse 13. He says, uh, that says, someone called from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Now just wait just a moment. This guy had money or a financial situation or a family financial situation, which is even worse, right? We know that. He has this on his mind, and as the, the king of heaven... Father God, Emmanuel, God with us, is down teaching the people about spiritual perspectives, very serious spiritual things. This guy is so caught up and he's so full of greed and he's so full of self that he interrupts Jesus Christ as he's teaching to say, hey, I got this money problem, more money, more problems. I got this problem that I need you to step in. And here's what I love about this, Jesus He says to him, in verse 14, I don't have it, but he says, friend, who has made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? But he doesn't stop there. He then moves into the loving, kind God that he is to give us instruction. He says this, beware. (laughs) Beware. Guard your heart. Guard against every kind of greed. And he says, life is not measured by how much you own. 
You see, he has the audacity to come in. He's so full of, of this fuel of greed and wanting this situation to be done that he's missing out on what is of real value. And so Jesus takes this opportunity to teach the people around on how crazy this guy is. <laughs> and listen to what he says in verse 16. We're just continuing on in the story. He says, Jesus told him the story that a rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. And he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all of my crops. And he said, oh, I know. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. Then, then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. He goes on, he says, I'll, I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, notice how he's alone. <laughs> I've got no friends. Sometimes money pushes other people away. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I'll sit back to myself. My friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now, take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. He's saying, look, I've got it all together. I've worked hard for this money. I'm all that and a bag of chips, right? I am a beast. Look at what I have. And he's all by himself. He's looking. No one's around. Share it with him. I've got everything in order. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to sit back and I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. And it says this, God said to him, you fool. <laughs> you fool. You will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Do you know that in a moment our money can be gone? Did you know that in a moment our lives could be gone? Did you know that in a moment all of it can be taken away from us because he is God in heaven? <laughs> it's the truth. And what he's saying is that you have stored up all of these earthly things, it says in verse 21. You've stored up all of these earthly wealth, but you do not have a rich relationship with God. A person is a fool to store up, but not have a rich relationship with God. Friends, I, I want us to see something very, very clear here. Do you know that you can be successful, that you can be extremely wealthy, but also be a fool? <laughs> Did you know that we could have power and influence and have the best house and the best car and the best whatever it is that's best for you, we could have that and still be considered foolish by the Almighty God in heaven. And not foolish because we're doing stupid things, because we do a lot of stupid things, but foolish because he understands that or, or earthly wealth does not compare to spiritual wealth. You see, we can be worldly rich and be spiritually poor. That is what he is saying here. You can have all the money in the world, but if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that will impact you forever. But you see, the temporal, the money, what's going on now, you know, what I want, what I need, what I deserve, what I feel for, it gets in the way of what really matters the most, and that is God. You see, sadly, we allow things to creep in our life, and the more that we allow to creep into our life, the further and further God goes down, and we begin to miss and understand that when we do that, it's a really, really foolish thing to do. In fact, it pushes us further and further away from God. You know, I want to make it very, very clear here that money is not a bad thing. I wouldn't mind a little bit more money, right? <laughs> Who wouldn't? You don't raise your hands. I know you all will, but, but we want money. I mean, it's not a bad thing. 
To be successful or to be compensated or or to have a a good position where you work hard and you work hard to honor God and all that you do and you're rewarded for that. Every good gift comes from God. But it's the love of money. If we put money above our relationship with God, that becomes an idol. And that idol says that we are separated from God. And it's not just money. It's all of the other things that we put in our life. Relationships, friendships, you know, things that we want to do. Whatever it is. Hobbies. It's all of those things that we think will fill a void that only God can fill. You see, what Jesus wanted them to know in Luke chapter 12 is not that money is bad. What he wanted them to know is that when you put your trust and your desire in money more than you do in your desire of God, that is a sin. The Bible says that if we put money in its proper perspective, if we're not greedy but we put God first, the Bible says that we will then experience a very rich and satisfying life here on earth but also for eternity. This goes to our our next point today, because I think when we understand that greed is a sin, that every form of greed is a sin, we need to understand what it does to us. And, and, And at its root, greed is destructive. It's destructive at every single level in our lives. It's destructive individually. How many times have I done some things that have been pretty selfish and greedy and it's impacted relationships? I know that it's affected me a lot. It's robbed me of a lot of joy. It's hurt a lot of my relationships. The way I have viewed, you know, other people and how they have more than me or they have position or whatever. Instead of being trusting that God is in control and he knows exactly what I need when I need it and that he will move and promote, he will elevate at the right time. You see, we're greedy because we want it now. I want what they have. I want what they got. God, why are you doing that for them and not me, right? I think about this in in family. You know, how many times have you heard when it comes to family dynamics where money makes people do weird things? No one's ever heard of that? (laughs) Money causes us to do weird things, especially when it comes to those that we love. And you know, it's not just money. Again, I, I think of... Halloween just came by. I've got two teenage boys and a young, young daughter, and I hate Halloween for many, many different reasons. But it's better than Christmas. How many of you have been listening to Christmas like on November 1st? Does anybody do that? Like you love Christmas so much? Okay, we'll pray for you. One, two, pray, pray. That's just weird. Christmas belongs in December. Okay, let's just leave it at that. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get into that. We can talk afterwards as I leave, whatever. But, but Halloween, my kids had a, a bag, pillowcase full All three of them had a pillowcase full of candy, right? They got the harvest party. They got trunk or treats. uh, Where we live, they go all out on Halloween. And this year it was two days, right? What the heck? Two days. (laughs) Crazy. They come home. All three of them have a bag of Halloween candy. Why is it that when I have plenty of candy, that the one thing that I want to do is I want someone else's candy, right? You know what I'm talking about? That is greed, And listen to what happens in our home. When teenage boy number one steals candy from teenage boy number two, it's an MMA fight, right? So then that destructs the family, right? I have a confession to make. I want everyone here to know my kids aren't here so I can do this. I took candy from all three of their bags. (laughs) Now, that's not greed. That's stealing. But we'll talk about that another time, not today. Greed is a sin. And you know, I don't think it's just individual and in our families. I also think that we live in a world that is full of greed. I mean, did you know that, that um, the United States of America has 4% of the world's population? 
and we have 30% of its wealth? I mean, we're the richest, we're the richest nation in the world, and we have the least amount of people, one of the least. Why do you think that is? Greed. You know, I, we have a, we're doing some renovation at our home, and um, we had a guy come, and he's doing some painting. I don't paint, uh, so we had another guy come do it, and we got to know this guy really well, and, and he has a daughter who has this very serious disease, a very painful disease, and she's been miserable. And so it's gotten to the point where they wanted to go get medical attention. They don't have insurance, and so the only place that they could get this medical attention was in Tennessee. And so they fly out, and they go to this place in Tennessee, and the doctor says it's going to be $270,000, and we will not do it unless we have the money. And so they were defeated, and they were like, what are we going to do? And so they did some research, and they found that in another country, that same procedure could be done for $30,000. And they went and did that. Friends, that is greed <laughs> at its finest. And it's not just in the medical or whatever, but we, we see greed all throughout, right? We, we, we see poverty. We see people in need all of the time, and we just go about our business. There is greed in every part of our lives. Listen to what, what uh, Paul says in, in Timothy, he says, but people who long to be rich, they fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into, listen, ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and have pierced themselves with many sorrows. And you know, I, I think we come to this and we think, well, I don't love money. I mean, this is something that I've I had to kind of deal with. I don't love money, but I date it, and I fantasize about it, right? I mean, we do. But here's the thing. Again, it's not just about money. It's so much more than that. There's so many more things, material possessions, position, authority, power, relationships. But here's the truth. Regardless of what way greed is manifested in our life, the truth is this, is that it will always bring ruin and destruction. Now, this might not mean imminent death immediately, but it does mean that it will impact us in a negative way. And the Bible says that all sin, the wages of sin is death. And so eventually, it will lead to that. You know, here's the truth. We all struggle with this, or maybe it's just me, but I think we all struggle with this. The desire to acquire more, more whatever, to fill that void that we have with more stuff has always, I mean, in the moment might feel good, valuable, but eventually we're always left longing for more because that can only be filled by acquiring more of God. Spiritual richness and spiritual wealth is so much more valuable than greed, specifically financially. You know, what I love about this is right before Paul was saying this, he then, he said something different. He gave us really the formula on how to overcome this. He says, yet true godliness with contentment is its itself great wealth. Now just listen for a moment. What he's saying is true godliness means that I have put God as the number one priority in my life over money, over relationships, over stuff. And when I do that, he begins to change me from the inside out and my desire for things lean upon him and nothing else. And you see, when I am more or or trying to be more in relationship with God and putting God more in my life, I begin to understand what contentment is. It's knowing that he is the same God that created everything. Knowing that when he says that I will feed the beasts of the field and birds of the valley, that, that I will then 
I care much more about you, so I'll take care of you, right? That's God saying that I am in control. It goes on to say, we've brought nothing with us when we came into this world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, needs, let us be content. The way to overcome greed is to put God first and to trust that he will always provide everything we need. It might not be what we want, but it'll always be what we need. So what does that mean for us? Let's finish with this today. I think a very practical way. I mean, understanding godliness and contentment and, 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 and giving thanks to God and everything that he gives us, that's very important. But what's one practical thing? If there's one thing that we can do to curb greed in our life, I think it's this. It's not to, to experience poverty, but really I think it's to experience generosity, looking to bless others, looking to give. Would the first thing that we do understand that we've been so richly blessed by God that the natural response would be that we would bless others? Listen to what he says as he continues in the story in verse 33. He says, sell your possessions and give to those in need. How many of you come to, to scriptures like that in the Bible and you'd be like, oh, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> like, God, you want me to do what? Sell my possessions and give to those in need? He goes on to say, this will store up treasure for you in heaven and the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it and no moth can destroy it. He says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Now, God himself will convict us of where we are in our life and what we need to give up or how we need to be generous. It's not my responsibility to do that. That's God's responsibility through the power of the Holy Spirit. But we have to be open to receive, God, what is it that you want me to do? If everything is yours, the Bible says this in Psalm, in, in the book of Psalm 24, he says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, including our money, friends. So God, if everything in this world is yours, including my money, then what do I need to do with it? It's saying, God, you are the number one thing in my life, and everything that I do will be focused on you. And God, as you lead me, would I become more like you? Would I be more generous? You know, the Bible says, to, to, to whom much is given, much is expected. You know what that means? It means every single one of us have been given something, much, to be honest. And so it's expected of us to give much. And it's not just, again, please, it's not just about money. You know, I, I, again, maybe, maybe you have been blessed enough to where you can give more money. You know, maybe for you it's that you need to give of your time. God has gifted you with, with, with time to be able to serve and to love. And, and maybe it's a talent or, or something that God has done in your life that you can mentor someone else. Whatever it might be, it's moving away and saying, God, this life is not about me. It's about you elevated in me. And when you do that, you'll change the world through me. That's why we were created, to bring glory to the king of heaven and of earth. <laughs> Everything that we have belongs to God. We are just managers of it. And to whom much is given, much is expected. Apostle Paul knew the importance, I think, of a, a proper attitude. And we'll, we'll close with this today. He says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They shouldn't be rich in good words and, or they should be rich, excuse me, in good words and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. Notice something. 
that he does not say here. He doesn't say that riches is bad. Not one time does he say that being rich is bad. But when we put our trust, when we put our trust in our money, that's when we sin. That's when we say, money, you're above God. You see, anything that gets in our way of trusting and believing in God as the number one thing, getting all of us, that is where the sin is. And so what he says is here is the antidote. The antidote then is to be generous of your time, your treasure, of your talent. As God is working in you and has blessed you, would you too then bless people the same way? You know, I think the greatest picture of generosity, the greatest picture of self-sacrifice was Jesus Christ. The only person in this world who deserved to be greedy, prideful, is Jesus Christ himself. You see, the Bible says that he left heaven. He was in heaven being worshipped by the angels. It says he left heaven and he came to this earth, Emmanuel, God with us. And he lived a life that not one of us could live, a life that was perfect. But you see, he didn't say, hey, look at me, prideful, I deserve, give me all of your goods. No, what he said is I'm going to demonstrate generosity even further. I'm going to lay my life down on the cross. And the Bible says that God laid the sin of humanity on he who was without sin. And it says because he did that, he took the wrath of God upon him, but he didn't just stay dead. He defeated death because he is God and he rose to new life. The Bible says that now because of that we can experience richness, spiritual wealth that will last, an inheritance that will last forever. One day when we stand before him, will we say, God, I received you and the greatest gift that I ever could. Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you that, that it comes to things like this and you care enough to speak about these things because they impact our life, Father. Lord, I, I know sometimes when we come to things like this, it's easy just to say, oh, well, so, I'm not greedy, so-and-so is greedy or whatever, but God, would you pierce our hearts as you've pierced mine this week on where I could be better in being generous with my time, my treasure, and my talent? God, would you always draw us back to putting you first in our lives? Because God, you are our creator, God. I thank you that you don't leave us in our sin. I don't think, or I thank you that you don't leave us, you know, wallowing here in death. But instead, God, what you do is you want to give us new life, both now and eternity. Let us receive that in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.